can't relate to cancel culture, hookup culture, or victim culture? (laughs) Well, neither could we. We created this platform for those other girls. Girls like us who want to give a different perspective from a Christian and conservative worldview. We talk about life, work, relationships, and everything in between. Let's be those other girls that don't just talk about culture, but change culture and bring back traditional values. expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect our employers. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Those Other Girls with Mallory and Friends. I'm Mallory. And I'm her friend, Melanie. And we are changing culture and bringing back traditional values. Okay, everybody, a fan favorite. Melanie is back. Um, and she is we're interviewing her this time and she's going to co-host another time we're interviewing her this time because she did something really really cool that when she told me about it I was like oh my god like that's amazing how'd you get the opportunity um and then all the pictures were really cool and it's just she did something really amazing and um we're going to talk about it so Melanie can you tell us what you did a couple weeks ago Yes. So hi, y'all. I recently just came back from Uganda. What? Random. That's right. (laughs) I was in Africa. And so what we did, my team did, was a team of international pro-life leaders from the States, from Scotland, and from Austria partnered up with the Africa Life Youth Foundation, which is a awesome pro-life organization in Uganda that works to help young mothers who are considering abortion to help support them and their babies, and also working with students and young professionals to help them start up pro-life groups and create a pro-life culture. So that's that's uh, the organization that we work with. And what we did was we, as a team, partnered up and created a pro-life camp for these young leaders to help teach them some of the ins and outs, uh, pro-life 101, and some pro-life advanced topics. And that's what we did, is put on an awesome camp and help to inspire and equip the young people of Uganda. That was really cool. I mean, going to another country and sharing something positive like that um but not treating them as if they're um anyway you guys know what I'm trying to say doing something like that like going teaching a man to fish that's what I mean teaching Mm -hmm. a man to fish that is something that I have been interested in for a really long time I actually majored in international relations in college and that's what I wanted to do things similar to that like teaching a man to fish and then I took a few like U.S. politics class and I was like oh we got issues let's fix here first but I love that because the reality is um, there are still countries there are still places that do not have good pro-life programs they don't have programs um they don't know how to help people and things like that so that's awesome that you got that opportunity so first official question is how did you get that how did we get that opportunity like how did they pick you 
Awesome. Yeah. So my awesome friend and team member, John Mark, is a pro-life activist here in the States. And he's the one who built the initial relationship with Richard Sampala, who is the um, director of the Africa Life Youth Foundation. So Richard, uh, uh, not too long ago, last year, 2020, was looking to find relations with pro-life leaders in the States, trying to find who in the U.S. can help um, his organization. And he met John Mark, who was a prominent student leader with Students for Life and 40 Days for Life, had done sidewalk advocacy, and now is a full-time accountant. <laughs> and so John Mark is uh, the person who built that initial relationship. They put on a first camp back in December, just John Mark and Richard Paula and a few other pro-life leaders there. And that initial camp was really teaching the youth heavily, what does it mean to be pro-life? What is abortion? What does abortion do? How does abortion hurt women? And what can you do? How you can start a pro-life club. And since December, 2020 of that first pro-life camp, they trained over 200 young people. Wow. And those young people have a confirmed uh, 20 babies saved from abortion that's wow. just from December 2020 and we're now in June 2021 yeah amazing wow. that is and, statistically wise that is amazing yeah and I met um several several young people who prior to that first camp they didn't understand what abortion was they uh, I met one girl who has a testimony who says that she believes that she even assisted um, her aunt with an herbal abortion uh, one of the methods that they do in Africa that you wouldn't find based off of like data are like non-medical abortions like through herbs and so she looks back and she's and she thinks like yeah I think that thing I bought my aunt was uh, like abortion oh, medicine and wow. I didn't even I did not and I didn't know what I did I didn't realize that until after the camp and learning about abortion so I met several people who prior to that first camp of you know pro-life leaders coming in teaching the youth about what does pro-life mean what does it mean to be anti-abortion um they learned about life in the womb and how abortion is life. And so this past camp was really kind of going over that same, those same themes, but really building off of that too. And like uh, Angelique from Life Dress um, taught like marketing. How can you market yourself? How can you use uh, oh skills? How can you use skills to create your own like, uh, like substantial, like pro-life fundraising business? What can we do so that way we can bring funds back to your pro-life group and help out that young mom who chose life? Um, John Mark taught public speaking. We had another leader from ADF International who uh, taught about like public policy, how to get involved in your parliament and et cetera. I taught... Um, Sexual Risk Avoidance, which is pro-life sex ed that Planned Parenthood International and Mary Stopes, which is the abort main abortion provider in Europe, um, what they hate because what they advocate for is uh, comprehensive sex ed 
And so what I specialize in is sexual risk avoidance. And I also taught fertility awareness methods, which was all new information to the young people there. So that would be new information to a good chunk of our listeners as well. Uh, We should definitely do an episode or even do like a class. Do you do classes? Could you teach a class? I, I am working on getting certified like that is my goal is to be a fertility practitioner slash coach slash educator even the sexual risk avoidance thing I it would be cool if we could do like a zoom class with everybody who listens like some of our audience just to know the information we can definitely and then you know we can do an episode about it or something like that that's really cool now Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. That's, That's your... what we did. <laughs> you are an international pro-life um, advocate, I guess. Thank what... you. <laughs> <laughs> Officially international. Wow. So <laughs> what is something that you learned there about people? So what I learned... Well, something that is beautiful, if people ever get the opportunity to travel, and you don't necessarily have to travel to learn this life lesson, I suppose, um, but if people get the opportunity to just see more of the world and God's creations and the humans that God created, you really see how, at the end of the day, people are people. (laughs) And People are just living their lives and they're not all that different from you and me. We have senses of humor. We have hobbies (laughs) and things we like to eat. So um, even though we may be from hugely different parts of the world, we all can form a connection. So that's something I feel like I always had a, a, a basic understanding, especially since getting opportunities to travel. Another thing too with traveling is once you get to see the world or just different parts of where you live, you can also see like not everybody fits a stereotype. Like every not everybody mm. fits into certain boxes of like yeah. Um like for example like Afro Latinos, people who look black and are black, but they may only speak Spanish you know, or people who maybe, um, someone who's blonde hair, blue eyes, but also only speak Spanish, you know? Uh, so there's just so many different types of people that can like break the like stereotypes that we create in our heads of what certain people must look like. And so while in Uganda, I feel like so much of what we learn about Africa in movies and like really like TV ads, doesn't show you how there's highways there are businesses there are people who dress in clothes like what we would understand to be like normal or you know normal western dress wear and so there's that's just like I I went to Uganda with like no expectations. And that's something like, I just, I didn't want to have any expectations. I wanted to go and I just wanted to take everything in with like, no, with like a blank understanding. And um, like the only times I ever saw people who looked very poor were when we went out into the villages or we saw that when we saw people who were dressed, um, you know, 
and clothes that looked unwashed, etc. So I think that was just another thing that was that I learned. So, wait, pause for a second. So you're saying it wasn't as common as we would think based on television. Yeah, people like I heard before. it. Mm-hmm. I heard an expression before. I think it's called like poverty porn. And Ooh. yeah, I heard that expression before of like when you see the ads on TV that show you the hungry children or the sick children, not to deny that that exists, but that that isn't everywhere you go. That there are people who have phones and have internet. Not that that's everyone. Yeah. Um but like in people, the US, essentially. Mm-hmm, people have cars, people have motorcycles. Like, so it's it's not that there isn't those poverty-stricken parts, but that was definitely something new I learned about the people there. Um that people can look and dress like me. And and so I think a lot of like the advertised the advertisements that we see are not just not the you know vast majority at least of my experience I really like that I think that I'm a big fan of traveling um in the future I would love to do a those other girls international trip where we do something like that I would love to do that I'm a big fan (laughs) of traveling um purely because of what you said you get to see different people and it puts a few things in better perspective that we are all image bearers of God and I just I'm a huge fan of that I think that that's we get so caught up in what's going on in our little towns which you know you should care you should be invested in your town for sure but there's so much more God has given God created this entire earth that's my biggest argument for traveling this guy has created this entire world why would we just stay in this one place I think you should travel I think you should go out and you should see I recognize that sometimes it's hard um to travel but if you can I highly highly recommend it um and another thing that I like that you said is how it changed well you said you went there without any perceptions but I just I like that you gave us because obviously not obviously but like I'm sure I know I had some perceptions. I'm sure people listening had some perceptions of what you would see there. And I think it's good to hear about how what we see on TV, what we see on the news, it's just so different than um, how it actually is. And the only way we can really like we can hear about it, we can talk about it, we can watch a video, we can see it. But the only way we'll actually like understand, I think, fully is going there and seeing it ourselves. But it's really good that you told us. Um, as you can relay that that's why um so I I have a travel blog I haven't done anything because I haven't been out of the country in like a year so there's no reason to blog um, about Charlotte um but on my blog I talk about um my time when I went to Oman and what I loved about it was it obviously it's a Muslim majority country but it was beautiful the people were so kind it was just to me it was a great experience but I cannot relay how amazing and awesome that experience was because you just had to experience it. And I feel like that's how a lot of trips are. Um, you just have to experience how beautiful the culture is, how beautiful the sands, the sky, the mountain, your dog. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> this is Munchkin. Hello, Munchkin. To all the, to all the, the YouTube viewers, right? They'll get, to, yeah. they'll get to see Munchkin. So subscribe to those other girls on YouTube if you want to see yes. my doggy Munchkin. Please do. Please. Seriously, please do. Um, but yeah, so what um did you were you able to go to a beach or anything like that? I don't know. I don't know where you gonna I should oh I feel so ignorant. I don't is it on the coast is uganda on the coast i think it no uganda is a uh, land bordered um okay. but there is a large large lake lake okay. victoria and uh we got to go on the nile river <gasps> we got to go on a boat That's ride so cool and we got to see what is claimed to be the world's most powerful waterfall at Murchison Falls is the name so we got soaked it was so fun that's cool yeah so everybody listening look out for opportunities like that um what are some tips that you have for people so you're incredibly active in the pro-life community um what are some tips you have for people who want to become more active Yeah, so I would say look into what you have going on locally in your community. Is there maybe a coalition for life that's already set up or a citywide right to life group? Get on their email list, like them on Facebook, find out what are the local events. And that way you can start building up your network right in your own home city. And another thing I would definitely recommend is if you are on a college campus, a high school, uh, to start up a pro-life group. And by starting up a pro-life group, you will meet other like-minded people. And when you come into the Students for Life community, you will vastly grow your friend group and (laughs) your friends list. (laughs) And you'll meet so many pro-life leaders merely by um, saying yes to uh, being a pro-life voice on your campus. And Students for Life also has, um, outside of college opportunities, they have a a group called Pro-Life Future. So if you're outside of college- Join the Charlotte one. And you're, yes. And if you're (laughs) like in between of like, I'm not in school anymore, but I would like a pro-life community, you can- either start up or find uh, your local chapter of a pro-life future. That way you can be surrounded by pro-life young adults and do pro-life service events alongside them. And another thing I have to advocate for is really take it to the sidewalks. Uh, The sidewalk is the, uh, I like to think of it as the front line of the abortion battle. So find, um, Find out uh, your local abortion facility. If you don't have one, praise be Jesus Christ. Um, Find out what are their hours of operation? What are the services that they're providing there? And what are the pro-life alternatives near you? What are the federally qualified health centers near you? And that way you know um, where you can refer people to when you do have conversations on the sidewalk. And we're so blessed here in the United States to have the freedom of speech that we do. Um, In Australia, um, the sidewalk, the, the pro-life advocates cannot be on the sidewalks of abortion facilities. They have 
uh, laws that prevent you from even wearing or speaking anything pro-life within like, I think a football field's radius around an abortion facility. Yes. That's in Australia. That's one of the abortion battles they have to do um, in Australia. And in Uganda, what I learned is that surprisingly, it's so interesting in Uganda, in their constitution, it actually protects the pre-born and abortion is illegal. However, abortions do happen. And because of organizations like International Planned Parenthood Federation and Mary Stopes, they will donate money to African countries in in exchange for them being able to offer their services and contraception and sex ed. And they are not hiding. They will say like Mary Stopes, family planning. So they're not even trying to hide that they're Wow. So wait, pause for a second. Um, Let's talk about that. So how do they get away with that if it's illegal? Yeah, so what I learned um, here in the States, we have 40 Days for Life, which is a wonderful 40 days campaign of peaceful prayer and sidewalk advocacy. And in Uganda, uh, I actually got to meet the the man who started up 40 Days for Life in Uganda. And so they would try to be out on the sidewalk and be that pro-life presence. And it won't take more than a couple hours for police to come and to tell them, you can't be here, ask them, what are you doing here? Because the argument is that they are causing slander that you can't actually prove what's going on inside. So do you really want to be the person to falsely accuse people of what's happening? So uh, they changed their their name from 40 Days for Life to 40 Days for Love because you can't stop someone from loving. You can't yeah. stop one from saying, I'm just here because I love people. So that's how they get around it is by saying, we're just here to love. Um, so that's how, um, well, it, but it's how a, does Planned Parenthood and Mary Stokes, how do they get to have things if it's illegal in the Ugandan constitution? You can think of it as like a law that's just not enforced. Okay. And, that's crazy. and, and because many pro-abortion organizations will offer money in exchange for providing their abortion and contraception services. Wow. So that was just another way of of me advocating for how to get involved is take it to the sidewalks and me giving a a spiel of why we're so blessed to be able to do that here. Mm -hmm. Because in other countries, like the examples I gave, it's not as easy. So those those are some ways of how you can get involved. So um, so talk about two things you said really quick. You mentioned... um, contraception and sexual education and the negative do you mind we are going to do um the plan is and i'm saying this speaking this so everybody listening hold me accountable the plan is to do a month where we talk about femininity in general so like we'll review that book um i want to get this lady that talks about biblical femininity she has like a podcast i want to get people someone to talk about why the pill is so wrong i want to get all of i want to have a whole month dedicated to all of this but really quick melanie do you mind talking 
about why the pill is a negative if you are pro-life because a lot of people when I have said that I am pro-life and I'm against the pill a lot of people are like what that doesn't make any sense if you want and you know they get all upset and I'll admit the reason why I was against the pill initially was just because I think it's um unnecessary and it affects your body so negatively and I mean these are all still true um but you know this added extra layer of being pro-life and being against the pill can you explain why yes so as I can make a secular argument for why hormonal contraception is harmful um so the way how hormonal contraception works and it's not just the pill any and all hormonal contraceptive contraceptives, did I just say contraceptives twice? Any and yeah. all hormonal contraceptives well, work, what, work the same. Well, what other, so then like the shot and the, the thing. Yeah, you can think okay, of okay. the shot, you can think of the Depravera and the arm, the you can think of uh, IUDs. Okay. They all work in the same like mechanism. Are our IU, oh Lord. IUDs are those um, hormonal? Yes. So there's a couple. There's the IUD. I don't know the name brands. And then there's also the copper IUD, which technically is not a hormonal contraceptive, but the copper IUD can alter your copper levels in your body. So that can also still negatively affect you, even though it's not a hormonal contraceptive, it can alter your copper levels in your body. So the way how hormonal contraception works is by several ways of defense. So the first line of defense is by suppressing a woman's ovulation so I used to think that it makes your body think you're pregnant so you don't become pregnant but then I heard from another podcast or resource not necessarily true it makes your body think you've already ovulated so that way you don't ovulate and what ovulation is is the release of the egg Um, and there's three things that we need in order to get pregnant. And you'll never become pregnant without these three things, which is sperm, egg, and mucus. Because without mucus, sperm cannot swim upstream to meet and kiss the egg and fall in love. So um, it'll suppress ovulation. And ovulation, uh, which is a process, um, like I said, it's when the egg releases. And throughout her whole monthly cycle, we have these different uh, hormone levels that fluctuate. We get really high estrogen when we're getting close to ovulation. That's when our hair's looking good. Our skin's looking good. Hmm, We are ready to, that's when we are ready to mate. We are ready to, to get our mans. Um, And then when we get really high progesterone, that's when our body is preparing for a baby. That's when it's uh, preparing to uh, for egg and sperm to meet and to have implanted. And so then when our uterine wall is shedding, when we're bleeding, that's when our progesterone level and our estrogen are kind of just coming and going. Um, so, because uh, we bleed because the egg did not meet the sperm. And every month our body's preparing for a new life. And when a new life has not implanted and been created, that's why we bleed. So the first way is suppressing ovulation. And what that's going to do is to fluctuate, mess up your natural hormones. 
The next line of defense is by thickening cervical mucus. So like I remember how I said, we need sperm, egg, and mucus. And there's different types of mucus that we have. But the peak type mucus, the really, really good kind of mucus that sperm loves to swim easily upstream (laughs) is mucus that's either long, it's stretchy, it's maybe clear. Um, It's that like lubricative feeling when you're uh, wiping and you're like, like it's like you're like falling. (laughs) Um, But but it's um, that lubricative feeling. And so that's really good peak type mucus. So what hormonal contraception will do is it will thicken the mucus to keep from sperm to ever be able to swim upstream. The next way how hormonal contraception works is by slowing the movement of the fallopian tube. So you can think of, I don't know, here are ovaries and these are, I don't know, I don't, trying to figure out a good way of like a visual representation. But um, so, okay, this is kind of good. So let's say this is our ovary. Uh-huh. Oh, this you have to be watching on YouTube, y'all, if you want to see the demonstration. <laughs> but we, you can picture our ovaries and our fallopian tubes, right? And fun fact is that the ovaries and the fallopian tubes are not actually connected, as a lot of imagery shows. Anyway, so our ovaries have a whole process of preparing the egg throughout every menstrual cycle. The egg is released, the fallopian tube goes to get the egg, and so it will slow down the movement of the fallopian tube to either keep from getting the egg or the egg being able to go down and, or yeah. So let's say, so sperm will swim stream and meet um, the egg in the fallopian tube. And so what may happen is since the movement is slowed down, ectopic pregnancy because egg and sperm have met new life has formed and now the new life has implanted inside the fallopian tube so, so people on hormonal birth control have a higher risk at having an of ectopic, ectopic exactly oh, mm-hmm. oh i yes. hope everyone heard that oh wow and then the last so you can already understand if there's a new life that's been formed and the new life is not able to implant where it's supposed to be this is causing an abortion. It is causing the end of a human life. And the last way, the last line of defense, how hormonal contraception works is by thinning the lining of the uterus. So remember every month, our uterus, our lining is growing every month because it's getting ready for new life to implant. And when new life has not implanted, that's when the egg cries blood because she did not fall in love and meet her sperm. So um, it will thin the lining of the the uterus, making it so that if a new life has made it past the fallopian tube and is wanting to implant, like how naturally the process goes, that's the way how God made our bodies. This is the way how God designed life. Um, The new life will not be able to implant and then will be expelled or will die which will cause again, an abortion. And okay, I was just gonna say, I, if you believe life begins at conception, that is definitely something you need to consider. If you believe life begins anytime past conception, you know, that's not our stance here, um, then that, that is what it is. But if you believe that life begins at conception, the method that Melanie just explained says a lot right there. Um, thank you for that. So long story short, hormonal birth control um, is 
not good. It's not good. We're going to do an episode about it. And I just really wanted Melanie to explain that. And then yeah. can you, oh, sorry, go ahead. So yeah, just last thought on that is like okay. the, the, yes, from the pro-life stance is that hormonal contraception has the potential to end a human life. If we truly believe science, that life forms at the moment mm-hmm. of fertilization, sperm eats egg, they kiss and they fall in love, they make a new human being, um, then it has the potential to be an abortifacient, meaning it can cause an abortion, ending life. But the other reason why I would tell any and everyone to not get on hormonal contraception is because of the way how it will alter your hormones, how it can hurt you as a woman. So there's like the two different ways how to look at it. Yes, it can end a human life, but it will also mess up your body just as a woman. Yeah. So two things to consider of reasons why to never get on hormonal contraception. And I know, um, so like I have um, friends that are taking it because they have uh, like PCOS and they have different um, things going on in their bodies. But we're reading a book by someone who, I want to say she's a Christian. She's made tiny points that are like, hmm, that sounds very Christian, but she has a secular audience and she is even expressing how bad hormonal birth control is. And she also in the book, she gives alternatives to, if you do need to take, if they tell you need to take it for your acne or for PCOS or for other things, like there are alternatives um, in our episode where we go into more in depth. Uh, we definitely will get into that more. Could you also really quick before you end, um, can you tell me, um, okay, I asked you, I already asked like how can other people get involved? Can you tell us what was the best part of the trip? Yes. I also want to say just another no, thought hey, on the contraception. Yeah, this is your is that for those that don't know, this is Melanie's <laughs> thing. Like if you ever beat Melanie, this is her thing. Like yes. I love it. I love it. I, I want to be a fertility practitioner, everyone. Huh? I want you yes. to be one too. <laughs> so just last thought on like women who are on on the pill because of like PMS, because of PCOS, because of endometriosis, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is that hormonal contraception is a band-aid that isn't actually solving your underlying problems of what's causing you that pain, that discomfort in the first place. So my recommendation to everyone is always get get off of it and find yourself an OB-GYN who specializes in NAPRO technology, which is a short for natural procreation, who's going to be able to get to the root of whatever those hormonal imbalances are, whatever your body's actually trying to tell you, instead of masking it with artificial hormones, period. Okay, next thought. What was my favorite part, you asked? Was that the question? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Um, My favorite part. Hmm. My favorite part. You mean like a moment? Yeah, like what was like a point in your trip where you're like, actually, no, here we go. I'm gonna set up the scene. During your whole trip, when was there a moment where you're like, I'm, God wants me here. This is, I'm where I need to be right now in this moment. Huh. I know, great question. And I put you on the spot. I'll say when I taught my specialty seminars um because you can think of it like a camp you know you have your activities with all the groups and then we had like our breakout groups 
mm-hmm. with our different topics. And when I had people who came to my specialty seminar, I'm thinking about it now and it's coming more like clear to me, the memory there. I was talking about sexual risk avoidance and I was talking about the harms of how Western pro-abortion organizations um, will come into African cultures, some cultures who don't even have a word in their language for abortion. There's not even like a word to describe the concept, you know, um, how they'll come in, how it's harmful, how a lot of their ideology is based off of, well, they need this. They're already going to fail. So since they're already going to be having premarital sex, like they need the contraception, they need the abortion because they're already going to be doing this stuff. So they need this. And I remember sharing this information and just seeing the the just anger on some of their faces of like, how could these outside pro-abortion Western organizations like come here thinking that we need mm-hmm. that, thinking mm-hmm. that we're not worthy of, 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 I don't know, a life without that stuff. Like thinking that that we need that to succeed. Um, them just being so justly angered and so thankful to be hearing this information from a pro-life uh, Westerner who's telling this out of love and because I want them to know what's going on. So they were, I just remember a pre- so much appreciation from them, them telling me like, thank you for sharing this with us. Like, I cannot believe that anyone would think that like I we need that. Um, and I remember like wanting to tear up a little bit because I felt yeah. how genuine their responses were. Like I said, that just anger of we don't need that. Like we don't want Planned Parenthood. We don't want Mary Stokes. We don't want hormonal contraception. And we're not going to to be like what they think we're going to be, which is to be having premarital sex, multiple partners, getting HIV, needing and wanting abortion. Like they're like, we're not going to be like that. So yeah, that, I guess that would have to be a favorite moment. Oh, that's so good. And (laughs) I'm sure that felt amazing that God was able to use you through that. That's, oh, that's such an amazing, that's a blessing you got to do that. And we have a friend that, um, went as well and and we're going to have her on but there's a bajillion things that I want to talk to her about on here um too and I'd love to hear her um Angelique I'd love to hear (laughs) you looked I thought you were confused about who I was talking about no I wasn't I was just looking at you okay (laughs) sorry um but yeah I'd like to hear her perspective as well but yeah so thank you so much mel for coming on this was a really really good episode it went about an hour which is fine i oh really up. yeah <laughs> i've given up on trying to do it in 30 minutes that's it i know there's no reason um, yeah two times speed y'all two times speed yeah i know really- it, it seems it seems difficult at first but the more you <laughs> listen to it like your brain adjusts and your brain will like it'll hear it just fine over time. I was a disbeliever too, okay? But you just got to try it. And over time, you'll get used to it. And then you'll be bada bing, bada boom, going through those podcasts. 
Yeah. So as long as you're listening, I really appreciate it. Um, if you have not, make sure you rate, review, subscribe, join our Facebook group. We're going to continue to post some things. Um, I'm going to try to post like some of the resources that we talk about in episodes. I'm going to try to be more proactive in that um, space. And then if you ever have anything you want to add to that space, please feel free. Um, don't forget to sign up for our 5K in July um, and also our donation this month. I'll have to fill you in on that. Our donation this month is to Women of Mountain City to help them um, get the feminine products uh, for the women there. We did a great episode with Olivia um, about that. That, And you guys heard me through the whole episode. I was like, oh my God, how do we do this? How do we fix period insecurity? Um, so we really want to work on that uh, this month. That's this month's donation. Um, so yeah, you guys, thanks everybody for listening. Bye. Bye y'all. Thank you for listening to Those Other Girls with Mallory and Bailey. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Head over to our website, thoseothergirls.com, to read our blogs and receive exclusive content. And connect with us on Instagram, at thoseothergirlspodcast, and on Twitter, at TOG underscore podcast. Those are the girls, changing culture and bringing back traditional values.